too much or never enough? Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome back to episode 20 of F1 in Review. A very hectic and packed Austria Grand Prix is now behind us and myself, Tristan Fancourt and Angus Gallagher are here to guide you through what has been a very, very interesting week. A race that concluded a few hours after the end of the race and if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, at the end of the Austrian Grand Prix, a significant number of drivers got penalised for going over track limits. A theme that I think Angus, you'll agree, ran through the whole race weekend, through the qualifying, I have to get this right, sprint qualifying, or as they call it, the sprint shootout, the sprint race, and then finally the feature race on Sunday. Now, this was, uh, I think, a major issue for people because usually uh, we get to the end of a race, people go past the checkered flag and we go, oh, that was that was very interesting. All right, Max Verstappen in first. Okay, oh, it was Charles Leclerc in second. Oh, you know, that's kind of it. But this time, Aston Martin decided to throw a spanner in the works by protesting against the end of the Grand Prix. And basically saying, we don't think the order is correct because everyone went off track limits and they went over so many times that they get a five second penalty, a 10 second penalty even, and threw it to the stewards to decide whether or not there should be any penalties afterwards. Now, I have the stewards uh, view in front of me, which I'll read out to you. So they say an examination of the list of deleted lap times provided to the stewards uh, stewards by race control revealed that a number of track limit infringements had not been previously referred to the stewards for potential penalty. It was determined that some of these infringements warranted a penalty and that was not previously applied when the provisional classification was published. These penalties will be reflected in the final classifications. So what they're saying there is we agree with Aston Martin that some people didn't get the penalties that they deserved. And before I jump to you, Angus, um, to talk about this, I think it's worth highlighting what these penalties actually meant in practice. So at the end of the race, these were the penalties that were imposed. Carlos Sainz was given a 10 second penalty. Lewis Hamilton was given a 10-second time penalty. Pierre Gasly was given a 10-second time penalty. Alex Albon was given a 10-second time penalty. Esteban Ocon was given not one, not two, not three, but four time penalties. 
equating to 30 <laughs> seconds in total. By the way, that now means that Espan Ocon has got the dubious record for the most number of penalties in a single race. Logan yep. Sargent was given a 10 second time penalty. Nick DeVries was given a 10 second time penalty. <sighs> and then another five second time penalty. Sorry, the list is so long that I am I'm starting to run out of, of uh, uh, get confused here. And Nick Sonoda was given a five second penalty. So we're not done because that gets added to the race, Angus. That means that Lando Norris ends up being in fourth place, moving up from fifth. Fernando Alonso is in fifth, moving up from sixth. Carlos Sainz gets demoted from fourth down to sixth. George Russell moves to seventh place from eighth place. Lewis Hamilton gets demoted from seventh to eighth. Lance Stroll gets in ninth place up from P10. Pierre Gasly gets demoted from P9 to P10. Alex Albon stays in 11th. Joe Guan Yu goes up to P14. Logan Sargent gets penalty but it stays in 13th. Esteban Ocon gets demoted from 12th to 14th. Valtteri Bottas moves from 16th to 15th. Oscar Piastri gets a 16th from P17th. Nick De Vries gets demoted from P15 to P17. Kevin Magnussen is up to 18th from P19. And Yuki Tsunoda demoted to P19 from P18. And then um, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, and Sergio Perez, 1, 2, and 3. Blimey. That all happened at the end of a race. That's taken multiple minutes to go through. And I have all the information in front of me. Of me. Angus, should we be making this large number of changes to the final classification after the race like this. Could you just repeat for the listeners all of that, just in case they missed any of that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Can't. I'm joking. No, it's, um, but I'd like to first address, I love the wording, it made me chuckle when I read it, about Aston Martin were protesting the race result. I love that wording. It just sounds like they're being very... Um, like throwing toys out the pram, just mm. like we didn't like it. We we came what sixth and ninth. We don't like it. We want to come higher. We're going to protest the whole thing. Um, but as it, but as you mentioned, it turned out it was a track limits um, association. That's what it was. Uh, they were protesting about. Now, should this be such an issue after the end of the race? I mean, it's it's an interesting one because how my question is how come. In qualifying, there is such a laser focus on track limits and drivers such as Sergio Perez on the Friday qualifying can have lap times deleted almost instantaneously or within 30 seconds. So you find out immediately what happens to their lap. He had a lap which was good enough for second in Q2, I think, on on the Friday night. And within 30 seconds, his lap was gone. We knew it. How come... I guess in the race they have to, yeah, I guess you tally up, I suppose, don't you? You tally up how many track limits offences you have. And as a result, they have to work out at the end who has how many, why they might end up, uh, or, or whether they end up needing a penalty or not. But still, it just, it just seems all a bit farcical. It makes F1 look silly. I think mm, any penalty... It does, yeah. Any, any penalty which ends up being after the race... Makes F one look a little bit silly because it's th- you're thinking, well, how could how could they not decide this earlier? But this one, when so many drivers um, had penalties, I hate to I hate to put, put this upon you, but you missed out a penalty, Tristan. You were very thorough, but Kevin Magnussen 
also got a uh, five second time penalty for uh, for track limits the, the ridiculous the ridiculousness of it all was that the bottom three drivers de Vries, Magnussen and Sonoda all originally came 17th 18th 19th i think and then they had penalties which meant they all like shifted around and moved around in the battle for 17th just through having penalties like it, i think it's, it's just pretty farcical mm. overall and it's just and there are certain tracks where it's going to flare up like for example monaco it's never going to be an issue that's a street circuit with walls most street circuits the same and you get other ones like austria it's always been a problem at austria because it's such a tight track and the corners are quite fast it's a short lap and in qualifying on the friday night in q1 the gap between first and last was eight tenths of a second so clearly that is minuscule in the context of the 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 real gap between top and bottom in the in the field so sure there's going to be fine margins and they have to try and get this fine margins but it's just it's just a bit of a joke really isn't it like it's how do you how do you solve it though well they have solved it this you are absolutely right angus it shouldn't take them this long and the, you know there are sensors in the in the um in the track and on the, on the white line yes. that detects so it should be automatic. I don't know how it's not. It's not automatic. Um, I did a, a very courtesy sort of Google um, of how other sports do it, and MotoGP have just got sensors on the bikes and on the track. They go over automatic. And what's really bizarre about this is it took them so long to calculate this, and because of that, I think most people sort of lost interest. And that's what kind of annoys me about this is you, you kind of go, well, that's it. That's the end of the race. Excellent. We've had the closing music of the Austrian mm. um, national anthem. Excellent. Max Verstappen's walked off. And then you close it and you close the laptop. You, you know, exit your phone. You walk off. And then you come back and you're like, oh, that's not the race I remember. What happened there? And then you have to go off and find out all this stuff. And OK, it has to be. It does have to be addressed. Absolutely. I'm not saying that anyone should get off lightly. But what, what I'm saying is it should be done in immediately there should be very there doesn't need to be that much steward review in this and my question is if there is a a system which they've got which they tell us that they've got where there is sensors then what happens to the sensors output does it go to the stewards directly and then they go oh we'll ignore ocon i did a bit of ma- napkin maths and i think ocon went off the track 30 times to amount the amount of penalties he did so i mean that surely it flagged up Whoa. that many times because the way you get the penalties right is you get you get first strike second strike third strike and then you get a black and white flag yep. and then if you go off at that point then you get your five second you go off again and you get a 10 second and then it reset. So then you have to go first strike, second strike, third strike, black and white flag, five second penalty, ten second penalty. Okay, so you, um, I reckon Ocon went off <laughs> nearly half the half the lap, half the race, I should say. So if, if they're getting all this output, why aren't they just automatically saying, oh, well, add that together. Excellent. That's a five second penalty for you. That's another five second penalty for you. I don't understand where this data is going. You'd think it'd be going straight to race control, wouldn't you? because that's the place that decides the penalties and everything. And that would be logical, but once again, it doesn't seem too logical. And I get it's a very difficult thing to police. And also, there's such fine margins in terms of seeing which 
part of the car, which part of the tyre has gone off the track. But it's just, yeah, I imagine imagine going off thirty times in one race, and that would be um, that would be absolutely insane if you actually did that. But it's interesting as well because I remember seeing a clip of the Austrian Grand Prix like many moons ago, and they used to um, drivers used to actually take turn one wide and like go off onto the runoff mm. because it was more advantageous just to carry more speed into turn one, and then. From there, you just carry on. Whilst if you did that these days, it would obviously be like that's an, an obvious track limits breach. But I just and it's also I can't lie to you. It's one of it's one of these um, topics which is just I don't know about you, Tristan. It's so dull. It's so dull being like, oh, track limits. Like, have they gone outside the track? Have they got? And it's just it's so boring. That but like yeah. it's, it's still something we have to talk about, isn't it? Well, I, even during the even during the race weekend, the commentators were looking at the wheel and and going, "Oh, yeah, I think that's over." And and clearly, because we have different angles, it was just making it very very difficult to to assess. And that, to me, that's the frustrating thing is it. I think qualifying for me ended up not looking at the lap and only caring about whether or not they went off the track because Max Verstappen, for example, could have set. An incredible lap time. He could have set an under one minute, saved eighteen seconds off a lap. But if he went off the track, it doesn't mean anything. And that's exactly what we saw with Perez. Perez was fast enough to be in P two. He had four tenths um, of a second leeway between the cutoff point to get into Q three, and yet he went off the track. So it doesn't matter. And that's what I feel like qualifying descended into. It wasn't necessarily who could get round the track the fastest. It was who could get round the track staying in the white lines. Yeah, and but when it becomes that, it becomes just just dull, and it's like, and it also it defeats the object of F one, which is trying to push the limits. And if it works at other tracks where you can push the limits and get away with it a bit more, then it actually makes it more respectable than this boring thing where like. Is, but uh, but I don't know. But then even then, you're saying like, oh well, when we follow the rules this much, this is what ends up being the result of it, and therefore you're sort of disregarding the rules. So you almost you have to follow the rules, otherwise it becomes like a bit of a farce. Still, it's all just a farce. It's just <laughs> I, I can't. It's all just a farce. Is that what we're going to conclude? <laughs> yeah, that's my conclusion. It's a farce, and let's go to the next race. That's it. Yeah, it is a very difficult one. I think. I think my summary is I'm glad they're sticking by the rules. I'm sad that it descended into a white, let's follow in the white lines sort of um, qualifying. But what I'm displeased about was the length of time to wrap the race up because the race wasn't over until the final qualification was published. And that took forever to actually work our way through that. And that's the thing that I think yet again that we're saying is is it's not necessarily the stewards are doing the wrong thing, but it's the clarity. It's making sure that everyone knows what's gone on at any point because there wasn't a message at the end of the race that was that said, you know, the classification is under review by the stewards due to white line infringement. There wasn't any of that. And then there's an embarrassment that comes along with F1. If 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 you do a podium and those three people are under investigation and then don't get it, then they have to give the trophy to someone else. Now, in this case, that didn't happen. But 
Imagine Norris's celebrations if he knew immediately he was in P4. It would have been pretty spectacular. And finally, I do think that you drive a different race if you know you've got a penalty. So I think we could have seen some more daring last laps if you'd like to try and offset that. But it's worth saying that the race was only one small part of what I think was a very, very compact race weekend. We had on the Friday practice followed by qualifying for the race on Sunday. Then on Saturday, we had the sprint shootout in the morning, UK time, and then the sprint in the afternoon. Angus, are we getting to the point now where having a qualifying, a race, a sprint shootout and a sprint race is just too much F1? Mm, That's interesting. By the way, can we just acknowledge... I still get thrown off by SQ1 and whatever that means. It's just it's just such a weird <laughs> a weird term. Squan. Yeah, squirt squan. Yeah, squan. Squoo and squee. <laughs> yeah. I just um but to be fair, I mean, I want to acknowledge first of all I'm going to say some shocking news that, that I want to acknowledge how the sprint was enjoyable. Mm. Um, yes, yes. That 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 was due to that we can't not we can't ignore the 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 huge elephant in this room right now. Um <laughs> Admittedly, the rain helped. Can't deny that. And also, the finish was lit up by the fact that he had lots of drivers who gambled and uh, pitted for dries, and then you had others stay on intermediate. So it made for for enthralling entertainment at the end. In terms of too much F one, now this is 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 part of the um the whole debate around the the new format we have is based on the fact that well the argument is that we have these this adapted format because it makes the most of the on-track action that the argument that practice is dead time that people don't really want to watch it on tv so therefore we might as well have something that is worthwhile hence why they've pretty much got rid of practice too on sprint weekends and now why you have this extra qualifying session which is shorter and why you have the sprint race as well not counting towards the order for the sunday it's definitely become more confusing because I completely forgot, for example, when on when I saw on uh, Sunday, when you see, oh, Sergio Perez is in 15th place. He's starting in 15th place. And you think to yourself, hang on, he qualified second in the in that thing yesterday. Oh, that was the sprint shootout. So he's yeah. not second. He's 15th. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In qualifying, he messed up his track limits. Oh. And it's just... It just yeah, it's just very confusing. And, it, and then again, you go, wait, Lewis Hamilton, I thought he came 18th in the... Oh, no, that was yesterday. Sorry, the day before he came 5th. Oh, yeah, whoops. So it just it just mixes it up, doesn't it? It yeah. just mi- mixes it all up. <laughs> yeah, I need a spreadsheet <laughs> with, with, with the Friday results and the Saturday results. And I'll fill in my spreadsheet with my Saturday sprint and my Sunday <laughs> yeah. race results. And then I'll just see what it all comes out as. And it makes it confusing to be honest with you, but I will I will still admit the sprint was good. I think once um once we have all three of us on here again, I'd be interested to it's a it's a uh, to expand the debate in terms of um you know in terms of F one too much F one. I think the debate that'd be interesting would be too much F one in terms of the races. Okay, because mm. I remember a time when we had 
17, 18 races. And sure, you want more races than that, but every race was like two weeks apart. You always had something to really look forward to. It also meant that statistics weren't skewed as much if a car was really dominant in one year. You wouldn't have a driver winning 16 races like last year. (laughs) And it wouldn't skew the statistics necessarily. But it's, it's 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 driven by money, but it's an urge by the sports authorities to have more and more races. And now we have a situation where we are... If it wasn't for China's COVID policy, we'd have been on the verge of... Or we are on the verge of a 23 race season with 24 or 25 being mooted in the future because they want obviously they want a race on the the African continent and they probably want another race in America possibly so that would take it up to 25 viewing if you add China back in and there's the question of is that too much F1 is that having a race effectively on half the weekends of a year is that too much not necessarily possibly for us fans but also for personnel for teams for for uh, people who work for the the sport itself yeah, that would be another interesting debate which I would be um, interesting to, interested to have once we're reunited as a three but yes your thoughts on the sprint please Tristan did you uh, as, a, as a man who's less less sceptical than me about it what did you think of uh, think of it and everything that went down oh well okay I to be honest rather embarrassingly I forgot that sprint shootout was a thing and the only reason, <laughs> the only reason, I I watched it was because, and this is this is a hundred percent true. I'm moving house, and so during qualifying on Friday, my partner and I were packing the house up, and so we only half watched qualifying. It was only in the background, but I didn't really watch what was going on. And I said, I said, you know, why don't why don't we watch it again tomorrow before the sprint race? Okay, so yeah. obviously in my head I ain't connected that qualifying had nothing to do with the sprint race. And then we were re-watching qualifying that happened on Friday and it popped up and was like, hey, tune in for sprint shootout. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's a thing. And so we tuned mm. into that and um, watched the sprint shootout ready for the, the sprint race. That was the only reason I remembered that was a thing. Because if you were, if you actually listen back to last week... <laughs> Tom didn't give the timing out for the sprint shootout, which means we all oh, forgot about no. it. And I've since rectified this issue because the calendar I have, um, I hadn't updated it for a while that has all the times in it, didn't have the sprint shootout. It, I've now since updated it and added in all the sprint shootout times as well. So I do actually have that now. But that's a it's a, what a ridiculous what a ridiculous weekend i'm sorry i'm i'm actually i'm actually erring on the side of this is this is too much this is too much formula one i've watched formula one since i can remember it's been a big part of my life but it's not the only part of my life and that's what the thing that's kind of irking me a little bit saturday is a very busy day most of us have things to do places to go people to see and so I was like, I'm, I'm like, well, okay, so, uh, oh, lucky we tuned in at 11 o'clock to watch Sprint Shootout, and, oh, that, that you know, puts us in good stead, ready for the, the, the sprint race today. If you miss that, if you miss that, then you've got to find time later on in the evening to watch the Sprint Shootout, and then watch the, the Sprint race itself. I nearly called it Sprint Qualifying then, whereas I think the nice thing about the old format was... 
it was only one thing. You know, you watch one thing on Friday, one thing on Saturday, and then one thing on Sunday. Now we've got practice and qualifying. So two things on Friday, two things on Saturday, and then one thing on Sunday. And it's, I just think it's too much, Angus. I just think it's too much. I I just don't have that much time. I, 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 have, I love Formula One. But as I say, it's it's kind of not the only thing we do. And so I saw on Twitter loads of people having exactly the same comment as you, Angus, which was, I thought Sergio Perez qualified in 15th. Why is he suddenly in second place for this? Oh, yeah, that's right, because that's not qualifying for the sprint. So I think it's too much Formula One. And I think I'm going to repeat what I said in the, the I think the previous review of the sprint weekend, which is we need to have something completely different. We need to have something like qualifying on on Friday, uh, a reverse grid sprint where the people at the back dash to try and get some frantic points, right? And then that the Friday grid order sets the real grid for Sunday. And there you go. You only need one qualifying and then it's reversed for Saturday and then it's, you know, proper points and everything on Sunday. And then it's just normal things, you know, one thing on Saturday, one thing on Sunday. And then, yeah, OK, maybe we don't have free practice and so you only have one practice. So there you go. You've even reduced, you know, I guess that would reduce the race weekend. One practice on a Friday along with the the qualifying that sets the reverse grid on Saturday and a grid on Sunday. There you go. I've solved the problems Formula One. Therefore, less tyres are needed, <laughs> less fuel is burnt, and people's attention spans aren't depleted because, hey, as I say, I just can't watch that much F1 on one day without, without you know, not doing anything else. What if we're just we're just adults now and we actually have busy lives? Nonsense. And, uh, we're not we're not we're not the youths that we used to be where we could just uh when you're at university and you can just uh pause everything in your life just to watch f1 on the sunday afternoon and your housemates who aren't necessarily f1 fans will come and have a watch because you know there's they're bored um or something like that it's not quite the same anymore we have jobs to uphold we have uh families to bring up not yet but one day um we have <laughs> things to yeah we have things to do we have things to do so maybe we just i sit there and um at 11 a.m on a saturday i've life stuff to sort out i was doing a spring ki- spring clean of my flat this weekend i l- had left it for a while even though, and clearly because it's Ju- uh, july and i uh summer i clean. was just doing yeah yes yeah, literally summer clean so i was just doing uh doing the hoovering and the and the surface swiping, etc., and the de- the de-dusting or undusting, whatever you want to call it. So, and I was like, well, I'm just cl- I'm cleaning. I've got things to do. So I guess I, you know, the sprint shootout will just have to wait. So maybe we're just busy, and maybe maybe just we're being swept up with uh, the just human life. Maybe it's, this is just uh, it is what it is now. I don't think it's just us. I think most people do things at the weekend, and. That's the issue. That's the issue I'm raising. I think it's just got too much. And everything's called different things because you can't... You need to have a, a dedicated sponsor for each event. And it just gets a bit old. And I think that's that's where I am at the moment with these sprint races. I watch them. And I... I, I do you know? I hold my hands up. I loved this weekend's one. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic race 
And uh, uh, it was, but it was just, if you think about it, the culmination of a changeable weather event during some sort of race. And that makes any race really interesting. That's why I always look forward to the British Grand Prix, because it likes to drizzle here. And I feel like, you know, drizzle is kind of the worst nightmare for Formula One, because they're never quite sure whether or not to put intermediates or... uh, or stay on the slicks. George Russell knows, of course, unless it's his sweat. Um, but hmm. um, so, yeah, it was just an interchangeable weather event, and as a result, we had an incredible sprint race. And yes, also big kudos to the team for deciding they were going to go for intermediates to, to slicks and pit because that would be fantastic. I saw, um, and I wonder what you think of this, Angus. Um, I saw a suggestion that we have a dedicated sprint tyre, which basically lasts half the race. So you have two options. If you go full pelt, you have to pit. And if you're fighting someone else, you'll degrade your tyre and you have to pit. And if it try and eke it out, you can probably get to the end without pitting. And I wonder what you think of that. Because if, let's say, Max Verstappen was ahead... He had and thought, right, well, I'm on this you know, tire, I'm going to go gently. And Leclerc decided to you know, absolutely go for it and force Leclerc, uh, force Verstappen to go faster. Then it might force them both to pit. Um, I guess it's a very similar to that, the traditional qualifying qualifying tires of the 19, I think it's like 80s. They used to describe them as basically one hit chewing gum tires where they would basically mm-hmm. get one lap on them before they were destroyed. So what do you think of that as a as an idea even more destructible tires <laughs> yeah how about have a sprint race where like austria they had 24 lap sprint how about you have tires that last one lap so you have to pit 24 <laughs> times and then it's a bat- there's a battle of the pit crew and who gets out first etc but no i think that's a, that's a good show actually i think having you need to have let's say the the sprint race is what 100 kilometers i think mm-hmm. rough, roughly you need a tire that lasts that performs well for about 60 to 70 but then if you save it it performs well for 100 but if you gas it or push it too much it will perform well only for 50 you need to have a middle ground and then if you push it you've got the option of absolutely ha- going hammer and tongs and if you're not caught in traffic you can pit and then you'll be able to go again on the same tire and push it again that could be a good shot because you're right at the moment they just had the race tyres and nobody has to pit and if it was a reverse grid on that the people at the back like Max Verstappen would have to be going you know hammer and tongs as you like to say because they want to get to the front of the pack whereas the people like I'm gonna I'm picking on Haas not because I think they're bad but because they came to the front of my mind but if then you got Haas let's say they're at the front because they qualified in last for a fluke accident before your Haas fans start hating on me um they well he doesn't have to run away as much so Magnussen doesn't have to run away as much so would you know be able to just go a bit more gentle on the tires knowing that Max Verstappen who wants to get to first would have to pit I think it's a good idea. I think we should. Um, we got you've got lots of suggestions here for the F1 hierarchy. I think you should just drop them an email or something. Write them a letter, um, a strongly worded yeah. letter. Yes, always has a lot of impact. That <laughs> uh, absolutely. And speaking of a lot of impact, this weekend, well, this weekend just gone, McLaren brought a number of upgrades for their car, specifically Lando Norris's car. Lando Norris ended up in P4 after the penalties 
had been applied. So, as we head on to Silverstone, and the upgrades are supposedly coming now for Oscar Piastri, and McLaren have their extra special chrome silver, uh, Silverstone, silver livery, Ooh. I wonder, is this the moment we've all been waiting for McLaren? Is this the the Tom's declared green shoots moment, or is it just yet another false dawn for the papaya team? What do we think? Yeah, the same green shoots that were declared, and then the green shoots kind of retreated back into the into the grubby soil, and then um, yeah, I mean, and they do seem to have well, something's happened, but I think the interesting thing which we'll have to look at as time passes by is is this a I'll refer to it as uh, invent a new word here is it a Norris centric improvement is it a, a or Norris orientated improvement because I want to say I mean it, I reiterate my point that I've made in the past about Lando Norris and how much of a talent I think he is I think that like whenever he gets in a top car he will absolutely smash it I think that he's up he's up there with like he's he's not Verstappen's level I think Verstappen has just gone far and beyond in recent times, but I think he's definitely on the same talent wavelength as like your, we always talk about your Leclerc and your Russell and your Sainz. I think that Norris is definitely in that bracket, if not above that bracket, based on what he can do in a inferior car, uh, in the McLaren to finish, what was it? Fourth in qualifying and then third in sprint qualifying, like phenomenal results. He was only behind the Red Bulls on, uh, on the Saturday sprint shootout, which is, unbelievable and sure he had a, a a poor start in the sprint he was a bit unlucky he got caught out when Verstappen decided to absolutely steamroller past Perez and then push him just that little bit extra wide Norris kind of got stuck at that because otherwise I think he would have been on for a very strong result look where Hulkenberg got up to at the start he got up in the second I think Norris could have definitely been up in that position too but then he held his uh, fourth uh, in qualifying Turn it into a fifth, I should say, before the track limits penalties applied, and he got that fourth back. And he clearly had a barnstorm of a weekend. But the interesting point is, he kind of, he's kind of smoked Piastri all weekend. So Norris fourth in qualifying, Piastri thirteenth, six tenths between them. Sprint shootout, Norris third, Piastri seventeenth, four tenths between them in the. Uh, in Q1, which is the only comparison we... Uh, SQ1, sorry, the only comparison we had. And then they finished quite close in the sprint. Ended up being close together. And then in the race, miles apart again, 4th and 16th. So Piastri, who himself had been showing some improvements, had a bit of a bad weekend, it seems. And I'm sure he will come back from that. Even if at the moment the point standings read 24 for Norris and 5 for Piastri, which is a little bit unfavourable. But, yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, Silverstone, kind of similar to, to Austria in some aspects because you've got lots of quite a few long straight, not like really long straights, but you've got high speed sections where it's like quite fast. There are more high speed corners at Silverstone. So it'd be interesting to see whether they they come up trumps there. Norris had the British crowd behind him. I know that doesn't define how strong an upgrade package is, but you can't deny that might end up being a factor in terms of his performance. I think after a couple of races, up until the summer break, then we can judge whether the upgrade package is working. 
We've got three more races, don't we, for the summer break, I think. Yeah, the three. We've got Brit- uh, Britain, Silverstone, we've got Hungary, and then we've got Spa, the Belgian Grand Prix. After that, we can probably categorically say, well, those were green shoots, or someone didn't water the plant enough, and therefore it managed to uh, not survive. So we'll then be able to see after that. But it's, a, it's an encouraging, encouraging signs. Encouraging signs, definitely. But I think Norris, it could be just that Norris was on one, if you get what I'm saying. But we'll have to find out. Yeah, I think so. Um, what I would say is, I think you're being slightly harsh on Oscar Piastri. It's worth noting that he didn't have the upgrades, and the upgrades seem to have, have been quite significant this time around. Norris certainly thought so. In an interview with him afterwards, he he was extremely happy with the performance of the of the McLaren afterwards, hanging on the back of Carlos Sainz for a significant portion of time as well. I think shows how far that McLaren's come, which is so wonderful for, I'm such a, I'm a big McLaren fan, always have been. And I think I've been really poo-pooing them for a long time because I just, I felt like that they were going backwards. Um, And also if I started shouting out how great they would be, Sod's Law says they'll do even worse. So I think this weekend will be, I'm hoping, a great moment. And I guess we're going to litmus test your proposition, Angus, aren't we? That Piastri is perhaps not getting as much out of the car because Norris is, um, you know, Norrising it and <laughs> getting everything and extracting out everything from the car. Because supposedly Piastri is going to have the same upgrades as Norris this weekend with their extra special silver livery. <laughs> What do you think, Angus? Were you were you pleased about the livery? It was supposed to target your uh, nostalgic strings and throw you back to a glorious era of Lewis Hamilton uh, and Jensen Button in that classic 2008 Vodafone and silver, yeah, the Vodafone red silver livery. Did it did it do it for you? No. Oh. Uh, it, yeah, so, sorry. It um, it's just you're right. It's it's the chrome livery is something which, in its multiple forms, is something which I and I'm sure all of us grew up with in terms of McLaren and livery, in that they had this beautiful Vodafone chrome and the splashes of red livery, and also just the the image of that with Lewis Hamilton wearing the yellow crash helmet he used to have, just iconic, iconic images. And also before that, McLaren used to run this really nice, when they had, used to have Kimi Raikkonen back in the day, and when they had Mika Hakkinen as well in the 90s and early 2000s, they used to have this beautiful uh, pure silver chrome livery with no like red or anything, just silver all over with a splash of, a splash of black on the rear wing. And it was just beautiful and it really gave the car, it just looked fast and it was fast, it was very fast. This version is a bit more like I compared it earlier in our little group chat. I compared it to the the Force India livery from back in like the mid twenty tens, where they had like they didn't they they wanted to be orange and they wanted to be grey, but also they couldn't they couldn't make their mind up, and it ended up just being a bit of a a bit of a eyesore, really, to be honest with you. And this is what McLaren's got got here as well. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced. But I thought their 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 golf livery they had was nice. That was a nice little touch. But this one just looks a bit like, eh? It's just like, yeah, I'm not convinced. I I'm the colours don't fit for me, and 
like you said, they've gone for the silver stone theme, but also they've gone for orange stone and black stone as well. So I, I, I'm I'm not convinced. I've only just noticed they've also got they're sponsored by Chrome, as in Google Chrome, and they've yeah. got the word Chrome. Ri- yeah, it's just oh, it's, it's not for me. No. I'm saying five out of ten tops. Five. Uh, I know, and what's what's really sad is I was so hyped for this. I was so hyped because I was really, really expecting a real nostalgic feel to the livery. I think you're right about the golf one. The golf one, I think, is the best they've ever done. And I think what, the reason it's so good is it's a complete commitment to what is a really interesting livery and something that's very different. I think what was weird about this particular livery is you're absolutely right they've kind of they've kind of gone orange chrome but we don't want it to be too heavy so we're going to put the the bare carbon still going to be there and that's kind of what annoys me about it and it's it's the bare carbon i don't like it's nothing to do with the i guess the orange or anything it could if it was a silver and orange livery i would have been incredibly hyped because that would have been an absolute not to their old school livery but with the papaya branding that we know mclaren have heavily gone into which would be brilliant and we're not expecting them to be red because they're not sponsored by vodafone anymore and i just think it was a bit sad that they they kind of missed out on an opportunity whereas oscar piastri and lando norris's race suits are really really nostalgic they look very very similar to the classic ones that we saw lewis hamilton racing in and uh, Mika Hakkinen as well I guess racing in um, back in the day and Jensen Button as well and I know as I was really really hoping for an, uh, a moment of, of magic a nostalgic magic because I wasn't old enough for the golf livery uh, but it, it you know if for those who don't know it when I was growing up it was Lewis Hamilton winning um, races and it was that that era that really got me into the sport and so I kind of wanted, I think, Angus, you know, you're saying earlier that we've grown up and we no longer, you know, have the time for Formula One. It's moments like yeah. that that really throw you back into old school, cool Formula One that you, you knew and, and loved growing up. A bit like in Ratatouille, where the, where the critic eats the Ratatouille and gets thrown back to his childhood. And that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for my <laughs> my Igor <laughs> moment. And it just <laughs> didn't come. And now I'm a bit sad about that. But... Well, hey, at least the the liveries do it. I'm just hoping, and um, hear what you think. I'm just hoping that the minor letdown of the livery is not a warning for the reality of the performance of their upgrades. Yes, if the livery is underwhelming and it signals a sign, then it's not going to uh, end up being very favourable for them, is it? It's not going to be... It's not going to be a good sign, but only time will tell. There's, I reckon we'll be we'll be eking to have McLaren as a topic again in the next few weeks because we'll want to discuss their their status and how they've got on. So we'll see if we uh, if we if you hear us talking about McLaren again in a few weeks' time, do not be surprised. And that's all we've got time for in this episode F1 in Review. Thank you very much for listening to episode 20. If you have got to this point, if you if you haven't, well, I guess you'll miss this outro. Now, we have the Silverstone British Grand Prix coming up this weekend, which means 
chances of drizzle very very high uh, but unfortunately chances of a, 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 a British racing driver finishing on the top step of the podium not so high I don't think it could be another Max Verstappen win to add to the the Red Bull tally but only time will tell if you are planning on tuning in this weekend for the British Grand Prix then you can catch the qualifying on Saturday at 3pm UK time adjust that for your local time zones and then on Sunday you can catch the race at 3pm also but thank you very much for listening and we will be back next week to discuss the results of the British Grand Prix.